Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're uh, back, obviously, as you can hear, because the podcast has started and we're talking. And we're talking about episodes two and three of Spearhead from Space. Yep, it's uh, it's Sleepy Doctor Who again. Are you sleepy? <laughs> I am sleepy. It is like late-ish, but we, we have... Um, we have a schedule to keep yeah. until until we get through Doctor Who and the Silurians, which will be tomorrow. Tomorrow being Saturday, March 16th, which will be basically an all-day affair of us watching seven episodes of Doctor Who. March Is today the 15th? Yes. It's my mother's birthday. That's why I know it's the 15th. Oh, yeah, right. It's, uh, it's also the Ides of March. Beware of the Ides of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were just talking about Shakespeare earlier today. Julius Caesar. Do you know that uh, this is weird, morbid trivia? But um, um, apart from my sister, my mother, my father, and myself share birthdays with the deaths of um, famous people. Not necessarily in the year that we were born. I know. Well, Julius Caesar. Oh. You know, fifteenth. Yep. Uh, my dad was born August sixteenth, same day Elvis died. Not the exact same day, obviously, because. Uh, and then I was born on February 3rd, which is when Buddy Holly, the big bopper, and Richie Valens died. My dad's birthday is April 23rd, which is when Shakespeare died. It's also his birthday. Shakespeare's birthday. Whoa. It's also my grandma's. Wow. Yeah. Man, that was a weird tangent we just went on. <laughs> but we learned something, and so that's that's the, the good thing. Um, what did we learn about, uh, about um, I'm just trying to segue back to talking about <laughs> Doctor Who, uh, episodes two and three, where, where the, we actually see the Doctor really properly for the first time. He gets out of bed and he showers and uh, and then finds clothes and a car and drives back and meets Brigadier properly. He's just, he's so pleasant. Let's, you know, the, this, of course, isn't the first time I've seen this story, but uh, the first time I watched it, I was... <laughs> Very surprised at just how pleasant and likable and warm the third doctor is here. I am curious where you got the impression that perhaps he was not pleasant and and warm. Because I saw other stories with him and thought he was not pleasant or nice or warm. I I think I remember you referencing a particular scene in The Sea Devils. Which is a story to come that uh, that you thought, oh, he's a jerk. I hate him or something. Well, I don't. Rem- I, I honestly don't even remember what scene you might be talking about. But- Sandwiches. Oh well, yeah. Oh God, you're right. The sandwich thing is yeah. that's terrible. Uh, there's that. Um, I had also seen the demons, in which he is very not nice to Joe. Um, that's one that Liz complains about a lot. Oh. The, do- the doctor's mistreatment of her. Um, Inferno. Which that's you know he's not even in the in our world for a yeah. lot of it, so that's a little bit different. Um, seen Curse of Peladon multiple times, and I love that story. Yeah, um, Terror of the Autons. There's Terror of the Autons. Yeah, he's jerky in that. Um, yeah, he's just he. I just he. <coughs> I'm I am not a fan, but uh-huh. here I think I don't know. Maybe it's it's I still I still feel like I am seeing echoes of the Second Doctor in his posture a little bit in sort of the way that he is reacting like the twinkle in his eye mm-hmm. still feels a little bit like a second doctorish impish twinkle whereas i don't know I, I don't think of impish as being a word to describe the third doctor uh, a whole lot in the other things that i have seen him in yeah he is more impish i wouldn't say there's a direct line I, uh, you know i'm not necessarily saying he's doing it on purpose no. but it it just it really doesn't feel like 
he has settled into himself yet. I mean, he flat out says he doesn't, he's lost his memory and, you know, only randomly pulls up things like how to waggle his eyebrows. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they did in the planet Delphon. Yeah, exactly. And like that whole, you know, waggling his eyebrows at Liz and saying, and, you know, Delphonian, that's, <laughs> that's how do you do or whatever. It uh-huh. just like seemed very cute. It was uh-huh. just kind of adorbs. Slightly flirty. Yeah, a little bit. And, yeah. and charming. And, yeah. And yeah, like the <laughs> the shower thing. Like I, I, I don't know that I could necessarily picture the second doctor just randomly taking a shower, but uh-huh. maybe I could. I could totally picture him just like sitting in the corner and singing right. randomly, or playing the recorder. Yep, yep, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's neat. And, and, oh, and this is the first time we get to see the doctor stealing clothes from a hospital. Yes, we'll we'll see that at least once more in twice more. What's oh oh duh, of course TV movie yeah uh huh I was I forgot about the TV movie I know sometimes it's easy to bring up the TV oh, movie oh boo I'm all right with the TV movie actually the the shower was um there in the in the place that they were shooting and John Pert we saw that and says oh we got to we got to shoot something with this shower and so it was improvised on on his be- as his behalf that shower still exists I saw somebody who went there. It's some location or other, and the shower is, yeah, as as is, basically, as it was in 1969 when they shot this. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It was an antique shower then in 1969, and it's still a thing. That That's excellent craftsmanship, like if it's, especially if it still works. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, so you get to see the doctor's um, significant tan line. Yep, that's true. You could tell he John Pertwee enjoyed a good uh, a good trip abroad, perhaps to sunny locations. Mm-hmm. Wearing his, you know, probably swimming trunks mm-hmm. and and no top. Uh, we saw his uh, his his tattoo. Yes, which he got as a sailor when he was drunk uh, in his teens or twenties or something when he was in the navy. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and I I was pointing out that you know those other characters in that room they they saw his bum. Mm-hmm. Because they were right there. So too did the uh, crew, because he did that naked. <laughs> yeah, and as you mentioned that, he turned around, and I was like, okay, so the crew—that's not all the crew saw then. Yeah, some some fans have uh, have retrofitted that tattoo as a Time Lord criminal brand because they've sent him there to Earth as exile. So that's a, like a mm-hmm. you're a criminal kind of thing branding. Interesting. Yeah. That's a. Uh, that's some headcanon that I could appreciate. <laughs> yeah. There's certainly, you know, nothing on screen to make us think that, but mm. why not? Well, who needs who needs anything on screen to make headcanon about, right? That hasn't stopped you before. No, no, for sure. Mm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened in these two stores? We saw Autons move. Yeah, the cliffhanger to episode two is like it, it, that's that's a pretty good cliffhanger. Like it it ends sort of abruptly, but the just seeing a mannequin start moving is one of those things that sort of plays on the deepest parts of the human brain. Mm-hmm. Mannequins are just a little bit a little bit creepy. Um, so yeah, that was that was delightfully frightening. And uh, as you pointed out, the cliffhangers of both of these uh, focus on peril for someone other than the doctor or his companion. Yeah. So, yeah, Ransom is in peril at the end of episode two and General uh, Scobie is like in peril at the end of episode three. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's I found it effective. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's these are the, the people who are, you know, the doctor isn't really being menaced anymore at this point. No. Nope. Not since, uh, I mean, he, there was a, an auton that you know, was 
being shot at, but yeah. wasn't really shooting back at them. But that's that's really about it. I mean, probably the most peril the doctor was in was in being discovered while he was hiding in the shower, while um, Doctor what's his name and Doctor Beavis, who, as I pointed out, Beavis is a butthead. <laughs> Funny. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but he really was. Um, but he, but if it wasn't for Beavis, the doctor wouldn't have his fancy digs, his fancy clothes, his fancy car, yep. all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thanks, uh, random doctor who dresses somewhat extravagantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know. I, I don't think the shirt, though, is the doctor, that Dr. Beavis is because he was still, no. he just uh, takes off his, his cloak mm-hmm. and hat, basically. And yeah, no. the doctor finds somebody else's. He steals somebody else's shirt, yep. somebody else's pants, mm-hmm. possibly, probably somebody else's shoes. Yep. Yep. Just you know, that was there. They were there in the locker, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, fancy opera cloak and and the hat, which looks like it's a little small for him. It does. He has to really tug at it, and that's probably why it doesn't last much longer until he, we we see it. Basically, he drives off in the car, and it's gone mm-hmm. by the time he. Uh, browbeats Derek Sherwin, producer of Doctor Who, into a letting him inside unit headquarters. Was that Derek Sherwin? That was Derek Sherwin. Ah, I bet the, the hat blew off because he couldn't get it on his head. <laughs> like, it's a, you know, top down. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a convertible. Well, actually, or is it even a convertible or is it just a car with no lid? I think it, no, I think in England I don't think you can make cars with no roofs on it. That was like that car, and that's a weird, like, the, the shape of that car. It's like somebody took a rowboat and set it on top of four <laughs> wheels. It's very, very, I'm sure it was some sort of old fancy car. I don't know anything about cars. I really don't know anything about British cars. They were uh, called horseless carriages back in the day. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I think we called them that on this side of the pond as well. Yeah, probably. Um, do you know the actor Yul Brynner? Of course, from yeah. the King and I. From the King and I, yeah, you like you know from the King of I, King and I. I I remember seeing a. I've never seen the King and I. I don't actually know him oh. from there. Um, he was. He's in lots of stuff. Was he in Lawrence of Arabia? No, okay. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Lots of people are in Lawrence yeah, of Arabia. Many, many people. Most yeah. of them. All of them men. Yeah. Um. No, Yul Brenner was in uh, what you might call it in. Uh, obviously the Magnificent Seven and King and I, but I remember seeing a brief clip of him in uh, Westworld. Westworld, yeah, the movie Westworld from 1973. And I must have seen, I can't remember when I saw that, but I remember seeing that there and thought, oh, he looks like he's an android. And then I see the Autons in uh, Spirit from Space and they're also bald. <laughs> and so I immediately and will always think of the Autons and Spearhead from Space as Yul Brenner in Westworld. And I feel that Yul Brenner should have or possibly could have done a cameo in Doctor Who as an Auton. That would have been hilarious. He was not in Lawrence of Arabia. I double checked. Oh, you did um, double check? Okay. Yeah. I didn't. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, mm, no, I don't think he was. Yeah, because you know that movie much better than I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not hard. You only saw it once. I saw it once. Yeah. Um, what else happens in this? Uh, we get Sam Seeley and and his <laughs> wife Meg of a lovely, lovely, happy relationship. Wow. Yeah. They're. Uh, it's one of those things that sometimes Doctor Who does. You know, people who have lower class accents, mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote, um, are not treated well by Doctor Who. Like, he's a poacher and a thief and then tries to basically blackmail Unit for... Not 
blackmail is probably not the right word, but he's trying to get some money. He's holding the thing for ransom. Nope. Nope. Name pun intended there with ransom. Yeah. Sam Seeley is, must be the most working class character i think in doctor who up to this point i'm trying to think of others like we haven't really dabbled that much in modern day doctor who you know contemporary to when it was made um so it's not like we have a lot of comparisons but he just feels very like kitchen sink for doctor who yeah very down to earth yeah and uh and yeah meg is his put upon wife <laughs> Going to get him some food and sneaking around behind his back, looking into his stuff. You've not been thieving again, have you, Sam? <laughs> yep. It was, uh... But, you know, like... Oh, daddy, you don't trust your own husband. Mm-hmm. Accuse your own husband. Accuse your own husband. I'll go get me some grub, woman. I'm hungry. <laughs> what are you staring at, woman? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's terrible. I love him. He's, he's terrible. Yeah. yeah, and I've heard you say those lines in that voice before, and now I now I recall where that's from. Every, Great. Everything in my life is from Doctor Who. You should know this. Anything I know about anything anything I know about Shakespeare is from Doctor Who mentioning Shakespeare. Any lines that I say that don't sound like natural lines are most likely from Doctor Who as well. This this show has infected and infested me and inspired me. It is why I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And you married it. <laughs> That's true. I made this choice with my eyes wide mm-hmm. open, so I should not complain. And I am not complaining. Right. Um, but I, I think Meg is amazing. I actually remember watching this story for the first time with our friend Annette. And yeah, Annette and I were like completely team Meg Seeley. Like <laughs> she was just, you know, trying to put up with this jerky guy that she has, mm-hmm. that she has married. And uh and yeah, when the Auton comes, like she she gets scared, yeah, of course, and she screams and kind of like backs away, um, just like Ransom did perfectly. But Ransom goes like catatonic mm-hmm. and has coffee poured all the way down his chin onto his onto his suit, uh, whereas Meg backs out of the house and goes to get her shotgun yeah. and loads it, and she's not so scared that like her hands are shaking or anything mm-hmm. while she's loading it. We don't get any of that kind of nonsense. She just, she shakes it and she, you know, she gives the thing a chance. She mm-hmm. says, you saw that I loaded it. Yeah. Like, don't come any closer to me. And then she, she waits and then she pulls the trigger. I feel like she's eminently sensible in the in the actions that she takes the only thing is is after that i would have liked her to run away <laughs> um but we didn't we don't actually see what happens so it's possible that it, it moves very quickly to knock her out or at that point she's so scared because now like it, it's certainly not possibly somebody in a mask this is something that can mm-hmm. withstand bullets so she's deer in a headlight and can't run away um and i had thought she was dead and i like both times the first time i saw it i thought she was dead and was surprised that she was actually alive and got to go to the hospital this time i thought she was dead (laughs) surprised that oh yeah she's alive uh i don't actually remember if we hear anything else about her if she makes it all the way through this or not but uh but i hope she does because she's my favorite person in this whole story next to liz shaw and the break she is a farm girl Mm -hmm. like grown up on the farm knows how to handle a shotgun Unlike Ransom, who is quite clearly, you know, Mm -hmm. some college boy 
went through the you know to become a toy designer and stuff so that's why he gets completely spooked by an auton making electronic dolls yeah. who'd want anything like that no one at all um yeah dolls you're creeped out by dolls We've got a whole doll making sequence there just for you oh boy well i mean i like the the making sort of sequence like uh, how it's made i don't know if you have that show in the uk i know it got shipped to the to the states for sure um but i really like that show just seeing how products are made like in yeah. often in factories mass produced and stuff so like that aspect of it i like like even mr rogers neighborhood used to do that one of my favorite segments on mr rogers was when they went to the crayon factory and you got to see how crayons were made it was amazing what's a crayon like a crayola like those little wax it's a crayon yeah, I thought you said crayon. <laughs> yeah, crayon. That's how that's how I pronounce it. Oh, oh my! God. Oh. I did, wow, I didn't know that was a different Midwestern yeah. thing. Say it again. Crayon. Crayon. Yeah, it's not a crayon. It is obviously a crayon. <laughs> pencil crayons. Crayons. Okay, crayon. and also pencil crayons are not crayon. that. They're called. They're called. <laughs> they're called colored pencils in the United States. Now I want to know what they're called. Uh, uh, UK listeners, please tell us. Do you have pencil crayons or crayons or do you call them colored pencils or do you call them something else? Because now I want to know. Probably like, probably something ridiculous like wax, um, woods. <laughs> wax woods. <laughs> wax crayons. Well, wax crayons are Crayola crayons. Yeah. Crayons. 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 That's how we say here. Listen, you got to live in this country. <laughs> you got to learn to like it. That, uh, that is how p- many people in the States pronounce it as well two syllables whereas i grew up with just one just the one i'm i am much more efficient in yes my speech. Yeah, the, the midwest is so <laughs> fast-paced they don't have time for all these syllables mm-hmm. well it's uh, in a way mm-hmm. i was just happy that we're watching the blu-ray for this the original dvd didn't have um the music that initially was in uh, the sequence as originally broadcast it was just like they replaced it with stock uh, sound effects and stuff, which some might say is better, but uh, no, Fleetwood Mac's "Oh Well" is reinstated for the Blu-ray. I, uh, ostensibly, it's being played over like a radio in the doll-making factory and stuff. But I just thought it was pretty cool that Fleetwood Mac, the popular music, once again infects Doctor Who. Yeah, it did. It did definitely have that sound of like this is diegetic music. Yeah. It's being played uh, within the within the scene. Uh, I certainly didn't recognize it as a Fleetwood Mac song. Um, but yeah, I was too busy staring at the creepy doll faces with no eyes and then watching them put eyes into the doll head, which still isn't attached to a body. And then just, yeah, dolls. I had, when I was a child, um, at a local rummage sale in my subdivision, I bought this set of 12 dolls. It was one for each month of the year. They were like decorative dolls, maybe how many inches is that? Five, four? Yeah, but that's like mini, uh, like action figure yeah. size. So they weren't actually they weren't action figures. Maybe no. they're a little bit bigger than that. But they were they were little dolls, like smaller than the ones that we see in this, but looking very similar. Mm-hmm. The eyes didn't open and close. And they had pretty little dresses, and they had little stands that they would stand up on. And each one had like a little placard with the month and like the birthstone for that month, and right. I think like the flower. So like you know, eight, April is diamond i think the flower or the the stone oh 
shut up. Uh, so, you know, she had a little white dress on and like, I think maize emeralds, a little, little purple dress. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I had them all set up on these shelves, like spaced out really nicely. And I was so excited about these dolls. Uh-huh. And then I had to go to sleep that night. <laughs> And there were 12 tiny little faces just staring at me. And I, I left those dolls up there for a good long time because I had spent my own allowance to right. buy all of these dolls. And I did think the whole month thing was cool. I like the idea of having, you know, right. reminding me of the birthstones and all that kind of thing. But yeah, there were those dolls. They creeped me the heck right out. And then one night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is this is giving me some flashbacks to the the creepy month dolls that I that I had. Come play with us. Yeah, see, I just yeah, mm-hmm. I I made some poor choices as a child. That was one of them. The other one was we went to get uh, a bratwurst and hot dogs and Pepsi from a little. <laughs> the look on your face. You have no idea where I'm going with this. No, it's it's just... not super related, but it makes make it has to do with being creeped out. Okay. And making poor decisions as a child. So anyway, um, it was uh, it was like at the grocery store they would have like sometimes food trucks like that that sold like brats for right. I don't know Boy Scouts or something like that. It was little fundraisers. Um, but this time it was one like related to the movies, and it was before Gremlins came out, and they had Gremlins movie posters. If you bought like you know a brat and a soda and something else, mm-hmm. and I was like, I want a poster. I want a poster. Um, so mom got me the poster. It was a double sided poster. Oh. Yeah, and on one side it was like it was blue, and it had a picture of Gizmo in the middle of it, and a bunch of other like little pictures of of stuff from the movie Gizmo doing stuff around it. On the other side, it was red, and it had a picture of what is his name, Stripe, Spike, something. Anyway, the Gremlin. He was the evil one who you fed after midnight or something. Yeah, that turned into a Gremlin. Right. Um, and I hadn't even seen the movie, but seeing just the poster of that Gremlin scared me. So bad, so bad. Uh-huh. So when mom and dad put the the poster up for me on uh, it was on our bedroom door, mm-hmm. um, with the gizmo side out, didn't help because I knew the scary scary gremlin was on the other side of the poster just waiting. That's one of my most harrowing mem- memories from childhood. So now I've shared it with all of you. It's good that we're uh, really digging into your inner psyche, like close to bedtime as we are because you're going to have a great sleep tonight great see the later it gets and the sleepier i get the more random weird stuff about myself i'm telling all of our listeners let's let's talk about channing the saddest villain in doctor who he is there's just something about his face he looks so melancholy Uh like not like he's going to burst into tears or anything, but just like at any moment you could see like maybe a couple of tears just rolling <laughs> down his face. He's just so forlorn. Yeah, all the time. Like it's, and I, that's, maybe that's just that guy's face. He just yeah. looks like he has a sad face, but I just, I feel like he is the, the, the saddest, most pathetic villain in all of Doctor Who history, just based mm-hmm. on the look of his face. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. Good performance though. I can't remember his name, but um, he's very, uh, when he's sort of like, call, recall, too many too many he's almost like sad and and then when the auton is trying to you know chasing ransom through the factory and then loses him and stuff and then he stops at the top of the staircase yes. and he looks down and there's channing looks up and just you know he's not angry he just says that look is just i'm so disappointed in you mm-hmm. and the auton dips his head as if i'm sorry sir 
I know, like we're looking, they're looking for the swarm leader, yeah. but you know, in the absence of the swarm leader, it's it's clear that that Channing is sort of the he's the dad of yeah. the bunch, and he's he's saddled with all of these kids that just aren't quite good enough. They're just not living yeah. up to their potential, and he's he's a little bit uh, beaten down mm-hmm. by life and just ashamed of of his family. But I, if I was Channing, I would be super impressed with that Auton who eventually finds Ransom because it does that awesome sequence where he, and it cuts the, cuts the tent from the outside and he walks in, destroy, total destruction, and he blows him up. And then he falls over and then he explodes into nothingness. You were, you were impressed by that sequence. I was. I did not remember that. So at first I was just like, oh, cool. Like, you know, that, that's a neat effect. They shot him. Like there's a flame coming out of the guy's stomach. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. You know, he falls, nice little stunt fall mm-hmm. off of the, uh, off of the bed there. And I was like, yeah. And then when he does the total destruction, so it was, you know, he says destroy total destruction. So I guess the destroy was the mm. first shot yep. and then the second shot is the total destruction yep. and i was just not expecting it and i was just like whoa yeah that caught me by surprise it was very cool yeah it, ge- it gives you an impression perhaps that the auton in in her his it's dealing with meg knowing that she ran out and like shot a couple holes in him with a shotgun and yet like he could have just like blown away meg but didn't just so i'm gonna knock you over because i am impressed maybe that's it i think the destruction was because it was being specifically ordered to destroy Uh by channing like i don't think we really completely understood until until later just how much control channing has over them and like how he's mentally like plugged mm-hmm. in and can see through their eyes like but i did i did pick up on that as soon as he said he was saying you know through the bushes across the way it's in yeah. that small building i was like he can see mm-hmm. he can see through the eyes of of the autons that's 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 a pretty neat trick so i think it was his direction um that was sort of i think he was just sort of giving them specific directions and mm-hmm. they would carry out those directions until something changed. So right. he said, search. Yeah. And that was the last direction that, uh, that that one had been given. And then Channing's paying attention to something else. So it's searching. Right. So it's not going to waste time killing her. He just it just want, literally wants her out of the way yeah. so he can keep searching. Because that wasn't his orders. His orders weren't to it's, kill. Or it's it, orders, yeah. Yeah. I don't... We should stop using yeah, male gendered pronouns for these things. I know, even though it's mm-hmm. obviously a guy playing it, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like that one looked very feminine. I'm <laughs> really? sure it was I'm sure it was a guy, but there's one of them that looked very feminine that I was like, oh, I wonder if that's a woman. I just loved how when it eventually is recalled, it sprints off into the forest rather, you know, fast, but... Mm-hmm confidently i think a win is the last time probably never that we've seen a doctor who monster or creature run <laughs> with actual speed they usually lumber off or something yeah. like that and i kind of was wondering how it managed that because the earlier scenes where we see them uh going through like the tall grass yeah. and stuff they're sort of lumbering and almost tripping and I think that's because they literally cannot see the ground in front of them. So they are literally almost tripping. Yeah. Whereas the one that we're seeing from behind, as it's it's loping away, 
it's possible that maybe that, you know, that actor underneath Mm -hmm. there was like, I'm not going to run in this mask. Give me the back of a mask and leave the front open (laughs) so I can run without killing myself. Or at least give me an open pathway that I can run and, you know, I don't have to worry about running into grass or tripping over logs. Just because the the movement of the Auton was so completely different from the the couple earlier scenes to that one that it, uh, I just had trouble imagining somebody in a mask like that running with that much confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, it was impressive. Impressive yeah. performance. Mm-hmm. Impressive couple episodes of Doctor Who. Quite enjoy the story. I like the story. I like Dudley Simpson's music, which I'm humming a lot during the course of it because it repeats a lot because it's uh, it was made, the music was actually recorded before the episode, which is still the style at the time. So that's why they reuse um, certain bits quite a few times. You've been doing uh, lots of air drums. There's some timpani in there. Of course, I'm going to do air drums of timpani. Yep. Air timpani. Um, I am very much enjoying Liz Shaw. I like the fact that yeah. she just decides to steal the key from the mm-hmm. brig. And wow, the doctor just is ready to just leave him in the lurch. I know. Just runs off, basically trying to... The, the, the impulse is too great, as he says. Yeah, I was shocked at that the first time that I saw this. And that was another thing I could totally see the second doctor doing, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, at this time, who knows? I, my All of my impressions about the third doctor may change watching all of these stories in order. But I just, I, I find a lot of these things shocking. Mm-hmm. That's And that's one of them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like I like uh, when the Brigadier is saying, I'm in, am I interrupting? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know everything all right here fine fine yeah you, she's just like giving him not even the time of day as she's trying to work in in her hastily um created office which she shouldn't i mean he brought her there pretty much against her will yeah and is you know yes there's a, a task that she's very interested mm-hmm. in in learning and working on but she, she's not the master of her own destiny as much as she would like at this point so <laughs> yeah you should you know give as good as you can is as good as you get in in every in every case yeah and then and then just when you know she's dealing with that then general scoby comes in and, oh, oh, lucky lucky man brigadier having a pretty face around the place that guy's awful. He's awful. You know, I I know that the cliffhanger at the end of episode three is him, you know, getting replaced. Uh, you know what? You earned that, mister. Yeah, he is very much of the old school. I just love the look of total, like, derision on eye-rolling that Liz does behind, well, not behind his back, but to, uh, to the to camera away from him. Just go, oh. Really, I'm having to deal with this. Yeah, you know she had to deal with that in uh, every other avenue of life, mm-hmm. and the brigadier's face is kind of precious in that moment too. He's just like, this guy shouldn't be saying it, but it's kind of funny that he is saying it. Well, <laughs> it's almost like you know, because he, as he says before he comes in, you know, got to keep in good with him because he's yep. the official liaison to the army from the unit. So he is like trying to. Uh, uh, what's defuse the situation yes. yeah. while not embarrassing the general? Mm-hmm. There's that uncomfortable bit where he's like, "Oh, I have to kind of play nice," yep. and you know, and then just just immediately oh, change the subject. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he tried, Brigadier. He tried on that one, I suppose. Mm-hmm. He's, listen, he's better at this time round than when he was telling uh, Isabel Watkins that she yeah. couldn't take pictures of the Cybermen in the sewers. That's true. That's true. I feel like he's grown a lot. It's and I probably feel- HR, HR courses happened in between then and now. <laughs> I also feel like uh, 
the the, the little hint of um, amusement on his face when Liz was dealing with that overt sexism was more <laughs> amusement at the fact that, you know, this person that he keeps having this back and forth with, you know, like, because Liz has been very sarcastic to him yeah. as well, which is, you know, that that he was feeling like, well, you know, haha. Yeah. <laughs> Just not in not necessarily in a uh, in a mean sort of a way or bad nature just sort of a way just like well i can't say anything to her right now but <laughs> but general scoby can and she and she can't say anything about it at the moment so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right is there anything else i feel like we've uh, we've talked a great deal about these two episodes which uh, i enjoyed i hope you enjoyed too yeah i i enjoyed it Mm-hmm. Well, good. Yeah. Well, let's watch episode four then and do a podcast about that. How about? Okay, that sounds like a good plan. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.